You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSC has closed its doors for the first day of a new trading week, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. And my new resident on a Monday is a gentleman by the name of The Digger, real name Greg Davies. And he's the head of wealth at Kratos Capital, head office in Johannesburg, but he's talking from his satellite office in Camps Bay. What's the weather like, Greg? I don't know when actual sun arrives in Cape Town. I was told a different story. The sun comes out, but it's freezing cold, sitting in my little study with my heater on uh, in the middle of the day. Yeah, well, you can speak to the microphone as well, because I can't hear you. You drifted off there as you moved closer to your heater. But I think what happens is August the 31st in Johannesburg, where you used to live and your spiritual home, and then the clock ticks over to September the 1st, and then... Meteorologically, you're in summer, and suddenly the sun comes out there, but not so in Cape Town. I think you've got another six to eight weeks before spring, as they call it, comes into play. So get used to it, Greg. You'll look out over the sea, over Camps Bay Beach, which is where you are, and you'll suddenly one day the clouds will clear and you'll go down there in your speedos for a nice dip in the ocean. What do you think? Yes, I mean, we've actually, my son and I have gone and done that polar bear swim a couple of times in the freezing cold water. Oh, no. But uh, I don't recommend it. No. But uh, we had to make a point that, you know, Cape Townians are soft and gents from Joburg are strong and off we went. Very but, good. Yeah, actually quite enjoyable in the end, you know. <laughs> quite enjoyable getting out of the water is what you're saying. That's the end. Okay, Greg, the first point I'd like to make is it's a quiet day on the JSC and probably all world markets because it's Labor Day in the United States of America. And this is the day where everybody, well, most people sort of start to say, right, I'm packing up from the Hamptons or my island in the Bahamas or whatever it is, and I go back to work. And this is the end of the, in other words, what I'm trying to say in a convoluted way, this is the end of the Northern Hemisphere holidays in the United States of America. So suddenly we're going to get direction from somewhere. And when you look back over the last few weeks, it's been a bit wishy-washy, hasn't it? There's been good data, there's been bad data. China's done this and China is now starting to do something else by stimulating the economy. But really, we're still range-bound with the major indices. Yeah, it does feel like it's been a, a year like that, Lindsay. Even perhaps more noticeable. We sort of data point to data point. Um, you know, updates, but, but you just can't find a clear direction. Are we buying golds? Are we buying platinums? Are we buying retailers? You know, all those different sectors have a patch, you know, maybe four or five weeks where they're in favor, and then that runs out of steam, and we're looking for the, you know, the next sort of winning, winning sector. So it's been a very difficult year. Um, it's just wearing us down. You've had, you know, weakness and recovery in the RAND, the gold price up and down, but no consistent sort of follow-through I think in the U.S., one of the themes has been the comeback of, of the FANG-type shares. But for the rest of the world, themes, as you're saying, very, very choppy. Yeah, indeed. And the JSC Stock Exchange News Service announcement was ringing bells on my screen all day today because I've had announcements from Mass, the property company, share price down nearly 9%. African Rainbow Minerals, pretty wishy-washy, down 1%. IO, which is a company mired in controversy for various reasons, up 69%, and I don't quite understand that. Maybe it's because it's a penny right, stock. If I, can just, if I can just jump in there, Lindsay. Please do. Yeah, so, I mean, there was a sense announced where we sort of a bit convoluted this morning, came out quarter past seven. Yeah. Then no trade took place for about an hour or two. <laughs> then, uh, remarkably enough, the, the share traded 70% up at one rand. The previous close was 
41 cents. Um, a total value of shares trading is 8,000 rand. Okay. So I suppose just, you know, obviously not significant, but just quite curious. You know, it's, it's also, no, no one really knows what's happening there, but, but God do. bless all the shareholders. There's shenanigans <laughs> going on there. We know what's going on there. So let me draw, let me cross out IO immediately. I thought it might be significant because someone has come to a deal, etc. But as I say, mired in controversy. Bidvest, now that is a big company. And then we've got AVI and RCL and Sea Harvest and Brimstone. And you're going to tell us a story about Blue Label. But of the ones I just mentioned, Bidvest, AVI, RCL, Sea Harvest, Brimstone. Yeah, maybe Bidfest is the one to look at because over the years it's been a stalwart of the JSE. It, it really has, you know, quite a big market capitalization, 96 billion, you know, separation of the Bitcorp group some time back. But, you know, nice solid performance, uh, share closing just under half a percent better, uh, quite good volume going, quite a bit more volume than. Um, on Aya, we've had uh, 330 <laughs> million rands with the shares trading. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's been a, a day of, of rats and mice, because I get the sense, Craig, that you're sort of a top 40 man. Yes, I mean, I wanted to just, just rattle off, if, you, if you're ready for it, sort of the top 40 up yes, and please. top 40 down. Yes, please. Some interesting moves. Um, Kumba up 3.8%, Bitcorp, uh, the sister to Bidvest, up 2.9%, BHP Bulletin up 2.7%, South 32 up 2.7. I think sort of on the back of sort of more noise coming out of China that things aren't looking so bad on the slowing down those miners. Um, and at the bottom of the pile, it's, you know, I've got quite a few clients that like to trade uh, in the platinum space. And it's literally a case of one day they're on the top of the top 40 and the next day they're at the bottom. Uh, today, the bottom Impala Plat's down 4.2%. That's sort of the weaker of the, of the platinum counters, and I think that goes back to the situation where they, where they were in a battle with Northern Platinum to get um, control of RB plats, which may have caused them to maybe overpay a little bit for, for RB plats. So the worst performer in, in the platinum space, the next also in the platinum space, and plats are down 1.7%, Sabanya down 1.4%, and then... Uh, don't have pip call for it's in, but that's down 1.4%. The platinum sector has been very interesting because there's one very well-known commentator who also happens to be a veteran investor, and he started to buy platinum shares. He said, Lindsay, I think the commodity cycle is exactly that. It's a cycle. We're getting towards the bottom of the cycle, and I'm going to start with PGMs. In other words, platinum group metal stocks in South Africa, and he started buying and buying and buying. And ever since then, it's gone down and down and down. But at some stage, it's going to turn. And at some stage, his timing, which has been slightly off, is going to bear dividends because it is going to go up. But PGMs are awful in the last six months. Well, it sort of reminds me of a story goes back a few years ago where John Picard, I think he's with 91 asset managers, and he, yes. in Paula Platts, funny enough, we, we circle back to that, and the share had been falling from sort of over 200 Rand. It fell down to about 40 Rand. And I can remember looking, and there's just about nobody on the screen to buy, which is highly unusual. And John was the only one buying the share. And I mean, from about 40 Rand to 120 Rand, once the stock turned around, there was a buyer on the screen just day after day. Uh, long story short, the share went to 300. And I, I think for, for a while, John, John might have been a little bit worried, but it just shows to have the courage of your convictions. And uh, once you've done your sort of an analysis, look, there's a lot of things which can go wrong in the platinum space. But, uh, you know, he found value there and he wrote it out. And so that's where the big opportunities, exactly what you're seeing. These things are cyclical 
Uh, when they turn in your favour, you know, you can do tremendously well. Exactly. It's not just like the gold shares, which are, you know, one day up, one day down, or six months up, six days down. When you get into really big bull cycle on industrial commodities, and I still consider platinum and the PGMs to be an industrial group of metals, then they, they can go on for years. I mean, you're suffering at the moment, but in five years' time, you say to yourself, well, I don't really want to sell because they've been doing so well, but I'm going to now. That's my view, and I'm sort of drawing, in, well, you can't see it, obviously, but I'm drawing a great big cycle of ups and downs, but they're long-term cycles, and I love that. Once you get it right, just ride with it, Greg. I think post the, the pictures of those cycles on, on, on your Twitter, I'd like to see them. But, you know, the other sort of story back, you know, rumbling the background is obviously this electric vehicle situation, which would obviously wouldn't be too bearish for, for the PGMs, really. But and you know, sometimes these things get weak and people start to look for reasons. And that seems to be a little bit far-fetched at this point. Have you seen an electric vehicle in Cape Town since you've been there? Mm, no. <laughs> the maybe the... Maybe the the, the milk cart, maybe, but that's it. <laughs> you still got milk delivered. How quaint, even though you're right up the hill there. <laughs> no, but seriously, you can't have electric vehicles in South Africa. Firstly, there are no charging stations. And secondly, if they were, they would be dismantled immediately and the parts would be sold to various gentlemen in the underworld. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, pro probably a long shot, but I suppose these PGM counters are exporting around the world and it's probably a developed world. Um, Travelling to Europe last year, did see quite a uh, quite a few of those Teslas uh, humming around. Oh, they're all over the place in, in the Netherlands. I tell you what, if you haven't got a Tesla, you're nowhere. What do you drive, by the way, just before I get onto the, the markets? Because I know you're a motorbike fan and uh, also Formula One, etc., which is becoming boring with Max Verstappen joining the ranks of the elite with ten wins in a row, beating what's his name? The Perez. No, 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 uh, not oh, yesterday. Oh, Michael, Michael Schumacher. No, yeah, no, it wasn't yeah. Michael Schumacher. It was the other German. What's his name? He's doing nothing now. He's retired. The other one, he won nine in a row, and the record was beaten yesterday by Max Verstappen. Oh, I'll have to work. Come on, Craig, you're a Formula one. 1 fanatic. Anyway, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. And yeah, just to answer your question, it kind of circles back to your pod. Um, I drive a Mini Cooper, and that's inspired by the great David Shapiro. Um, I saw him. I saw him in the traffic one day and said, "What car are you driving there, David?" And he, he was ranting on saying how wonderful these minis are. And I was around many that Saturday. And I've never looked back. Really nice car, yeah. Is it a Cooper? A Cooper S. Look at you. <laughs> Camps Bay Mini Cooper S's. <laughs> Where to <laughs> next? <laughs> okay, let's have a look at the spot markets now on this quiet day. I've got the dollar round at nineteen oh four, which is a dollar that's one and a third percent higher than the mighty rand. British pound is 24.03, also 1.4% better for the pound than the euro, one and a third percent up against the rand at 20.54. Euro dollar is 107.85, which is barely changed. British pound is 126.20, also barely changed from Friday, but that's because it's, there's nothing going on today. We've got the gold price at 19.39, which is also virtually unchanged. Platinum down $21 an ounce or 2%, to 9.59 and palladium 12.29 dollars per ounce which is up four dollars now the really interesting commodities are always the energy prices brent crude oil yeah it's it's just broken 89 dollars 89 on the nail up just over half a percent west texas crude is two-thirds of a percent higher at 
what is that? 86.12. Natural gas prices have fallen 3.6%. Any other big movers there? Nah, not really. Capital markets, US 10-year Treasury yield, still trading on the futures markets, but obviously not the real session because it's Labor Day, 4.21%. And the South African 10-year bond yield is, where is it? 10.335%. S&P 500 futures, still trading for a little while. 4,518, which is barely changed from Friday. And Bitcoin, yeah, I don't know if you watch this. Do you watch the Bitcoin, Greg? Have you got involved in that? Got a, got a few coins hidden in that cupboard, yeah, yes. 25,835. I won't ask you what you paid for them. No. What did you pay for um, them? That, 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 <laughs> uh, my average is about $23,000. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I believe you. <laughs> Good. Um, it was a, Sebastian Vettel's the name. Sebastian Vettel was the name of the German gentleman we were grasping for. I was grasping for. Yeah, he won nine in a row. And the the Dutchman, Max Verstappen, has just usurped that record by winning 10 in a row. We'll talk about football later on, Greg. But I'm going to give you my top 10 up and down. Okay, on the upside, Kumba Iron Ore up nearly 4%. Hammerson up 3.5%. Pick and Pay up 3.3%. Bidcorp a 3.1% winner. And BHP up nearly 3%. Mass, the company that we don't know what happens there, the property company, down 8.5% after its results. Implats, down 4.3%. I'd love you if you can bring up a graph to see where it was a year ago. It's currently 88 Rand 91. Northern Platinum, down 2.7%. And Lighthouse Capital, whatever that is, down 2.6%. Have you got any, any others outside of those, apart from the ones you mentioned from the top 40, Greg, please? Well, I'm sort of chomping on on the bit, as you would say, to it's to champing, talk about by the way, not chomping. <laughs> I know I did that to wind you up. Um, <laughs> yeah, blue, blue label telecoms. Um, ah, this is an interesting at, one. Well, on Friday after, well, the shares have drifted off probably from February last year, around about five fifty down to three fifty. Yeah, I did report results. Um, I think Wednesday last week. And then on Friday afternoon, there was an article published um, on a website called My Broadband. And they'd had some chats back and forth with uh, management there, Blue Label. What had sort of transpired is there probably was a misunderstanding of the relationship between Blue Label and Cell C. Yes. uh, Which spooked the market quite bad, and the stock was sort of trading 3.30 before the announcement, quite a sort of 10% fall straight away and another 7% today. So Where is it now? Close today, 2 rand 60. So it's gone from 5.50 uh, to 2.60. Yes, so let's just say from February and, and today, but sort of the, 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 the big chunks in the last two, two trading days. As you know, I sort of looked, thought about it and looked at the numbers over the weekend and I thought, well, this shouldn't be a problem. I'm sure the company will come out with a sense announcement mm-hmm. and perhaps we'll see some directors buying. Um, but um, none of that really took place. The share put in a low, two, two rand 35, managed to rally back to two rand 60, 20 million rands worth of, of shares trading. So it'll be interesting to see, to see, you know, how it all plays out. It kind of sort of, a little bit reminds me of, of of what happened at Transaction Capital earlier in the year as well. That was more a, a bad set of numbers that spooked the market. Um, and then there was some clarification from management exactly how they came to no, those numbers. And in their particular case, they were quite quick to sort of put out the fire 
couple of events announcements, call a whole of analysts into a call and explain everything, a couple of directors stepping up and buying shares, giving the market confidence, and that seemed to slow uh, transaction capital's decline, although slowly slipped back to where sort of the stock bounced from 8 Rand back to 12. We're sitting at 7 Rand, but I suppose market waiting for the next set of results. So my theme here of the conversation is sort of small mid-cap space you know, these smaller companies just need one thing to really go wrong and, uh, you know, the share prices get, get punished. And so, um, you know, let's hope the, you know, the, this whole thing resolves itself, um, you know, in the favor of shareholders. But, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, been a real shocker. It really has, Greg. And uh, if you look back at it and you, if you had to say to yourself in a presentation, as one of those sort of roundtable things like uh, speed dating, you could say speed stocks. You would say the big thing that's gone wrong with blue label telecoms over the years has been the acquisition of Cell C. Surely it's as easy as that. Yes. Yeah. Just talking to a few analysts today, effectively, you know, the value of Cell C is, let's call it one and a half billion, but the debt's four billion. Now, I have to tell you, that's, that's not a really well balanced. Let me just situation. put this in my calculator four <laughs> minus. 1.5, yeah. Anyway, go on. I understand what you're saying. It's a disaster. Well, to know, you know, obviously, it's, you know, look, let, let's give them benefit of the doubt for now. Let's maybe see if there's some clarity from the company in the next couple of days. Um, you know, they're probably sitting w- with the analysts, with uh, the, you know, the accounting book, uh, and just trying to clarify for the market to give, you know, to give us a, an idea where the value is. And you may, you, you may find this is a tremendous buying opportunity. Yeah. Okay, Greg. Well, note that down. Tremendous buying opportunity. <laughs> you may find that. <laughs> but qualifying that statement, Lindsay. No, but, uh, could be a buy. Could. <laughs> you, you know, last week we were saying, how can we, let, let, let's sort of personalise this podcast by coming up with something. And I mentioned that we should have a reminiscence. And every Monday we talk about something from either our past or each other's past uh, separately. And I think... I've got a, I've got a great one. <laughs> no, but I was talking about Blue Label Telecoms, about the... Oh, I, I remember oh, your yes. story, but you can go on with the other one as well. We can do two. But I distinctly remember you saying that the two nice gentlemen that started Blue Label Telecoms ultimately used to sell car stereos from the back of their car, which at the time was a not a Nissan, but a Datsun Skyline on Louis Bourta, and you bought a car hi-fi system from then. Can you tell me a little bit more? Because it really contextualises what's going on with the company at the moment. Yes, well, I mean, I suppose it is a lovely sort of success story overall. Yes. Um, you know, looking back overall, I mean, we, we met these youngsters, and at the time, I mean, if you... 21 or 22, you know, one of the most important things in your life is to have a really a noisy car sound system, which seems absurd at the moment, but yes, that was does. a big thing. Mm. And weirdly enough, I don't know why, but car radios were quite often an item that would get stolen. Um, but um, it seems less the case now. But, you know, word got out amongst the, the younger traders at the JSC that it was these young guys that could get hold of the, the latest, best equipment at reasonable prices, and so we sort of often often met just off Louis Boerta Avenue. Uh, and my later understanding is they found a supplier that was actually uh, sending the radios through to Pretoria. And I think one of those situations where they, you know, perhaps borrowed the, the mon- money from mom or dad or uncles. And I mean, the long story short, they built um, a blue label and it was listed 
in about just trying to remember, let's let's say 2007 mm. and i mean it, at one stage it was 18 19 rand a share and it did create a lot of shareholder wealth um you know at one point i suppose if you sold at the top it would have been so i mean what i'm saying is the spirit of entrepreneurship is in that family and let's let's just hope they can uh, they can uh, t- turn it around I hope so, because they were nice chaps. I always enjoyed interviewing them, which was a long, long time ago. But you had another story, Greg, before we get to the uh, closing JSE indices. What is your reminiscence, please? Um, the, the, the chairman of the JSE back in about 1992 was a chap by the name of Roy Anderson. I remember him, yes. Yeah. Interesting enough, he was the highest-ranking civilian in the Army, a major general. And sort of quite an enforcer, quite an intimidating man at the JSC. And you sort of, you know, almost stood to attention, even though you weren't in the army when, when you saw him. Right. And it was about 1992 when South Africa was just coming back into world sport. And it was early one morning. We, I think we were watching South Africa versus Australia. The members bar, which is called the Red Room, on the stock exchange trading floor, packed with everybody watching the game, you know, furniture piled high. The more senior men on, on the chairs at the back and us youngsters lying on the carpet. And Mr. Anderson walked into the pub and we all thought we'd better jump up and give him a chair. And lo and behold, in his suit, he lay down next to us on the floor and carried on watching the game. Fantastic. And we were amazed. And we just couldn't believe it. No, I'm just, well, that's it. he's got the common touch, you see. Yeah, but I've heard he was a yeah. bit, of, he ruled with an iron rod. And can you remember the result of this uh, particular conflict between Australia and South Africa, I bet you can't. Well, I, well, I do remember that, that was the game, I think, that John T. Rhodes, instead of throwing the wickets, he did that sort of John T. famous dive to, to, to run somebody Oh, out. yeah, clattered the, the stumps. He didn't actually throw it, he just dived all over them, yeah. yes. Yeah. As you can imagine, the red room exploded. Of course it um, did. But, yeah. Okay, Greg, um, I'm going to have a look at the uh, closing JSC indices. As I say, I keep on saying the quiet day. The resources stocks were up two-thirds of a percent nearly. The industrial shares gained just over 1%. Financial stocks 0.6% better. Uh, the top 40 index, 69,662, a near 0.9% winner. And the all share itself up 0.8%, 75,375. So a good day. I don't suppose you can give me the value traded, can you? I got that eleven point four billion, <laughs> which is pretty light. Consider, but obviously, what do you mean pretty light? It's is. half what it should be. Well, it's I mean, disastrous. With, with, with the U.S. closed, yeah, I should imagine it's yeah, it's disappointing. But I mean, we've even on with the, the U.S. has been open. We're doing fifteen and sixteen billions. This is way way lower than it, it needs to be. Mm. Are you fearful um, of the JSC's future with these sort of volumes? We saw as we go through these these patches, and I think since the day I started working at the stock exchange, too long ago to mention now, but everyone's everyone's around the corner. Well, this is the end. We'll never survive. Uh-huh. And here we are, 25 years later, and it's all going great. But certainly, as you were speaking about cycles earlier, um, we're definitely not an upward cycle. But hopefully, you know, I think it's sort of locally if interest rates start to come come off. Uh, you know, locally, you know, the Eskom situations get sorted out, the Transnet situations. I don't know these are big ifs, but once you sort of start creating wealth, people are more confident to start listing companies. Foreign investors are keen to get back involved in the JSC. I think that can create a nice wealth effect and hopefully uh, 
get these volumes going through again on the JSC. I'd love you to tell me when the list, uh, last decent listing was on the JSC, apart from the dual listings. I'd love you to tell me when the last really good company that you got excited about listed on the JSC Securities Exchange and put that together with your if this and if that and if the other. Can you remember the last listing? I've got to be honest, you've, you've got me, Lynn. I, I just, I just, <laughs> look, it might have been some small company, but I, honestly, I'll have to Google like crazy, but I really cheated with the vet all Googling. So of course, well, there's no cheating. I mean, Google is a part of our lives. Okay, so you can't remember, and you can go back way, probably before Google actually was existed, there was a listing on the JSC. <laughs> but I remember Dimension Data listing and Cash Build listing, and they went from 150 to heady heights. So there is a chance. But I don't know, do they need to go to the JSE? Why don't they just go straight to London or to some other international exchange? Yeah, I mean, I've not really been hands-on involved in that. But when you speak to people that are in a situation where they could possibly list, um, they are saying the sort of JSE in terms of quite onerous, um, you know, more than they were before. So not as user-friendly as it would be uh, to new listing companies. And then also, as you say, you know, overseas capital markets are much more open. So, mm. you know, a really strong existing company or company that wants to spin off part of it will probably look to, to the UK or, you know, certainly one of the European markets. I mean, uh, Process and NASPAS, you know, being a good, a good example where they've got most of their trade happening in, in your part of the world. Yeah, indeed. Um, Greg, um, just on that note, I remember one company when we worked together at Greenwich Securities in Johannesburg, there was one company, I remember seeing their advertisement on television, they had this thing where if you've got a muscle pain after doing a particularly stupidly strenuous <laughs> strenuous workout, you stuck things on your leg or your buttocks or, or, or somewhere to ease the pain and it vibrated. They listed that on the JSC, sank without a trace, Nin late well, 1990s. Well, if there's ever been a tell, <laughs> that was it. Exactly. Very often, that, that is the case, that when you see the quality of companies that are being pulled into these new listings, I, I think the poster boy was at Pets.com, which oh, yeah. was in the US. In the States, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, WeddingPlanner.com, yeah, wedding I think that was one, Weddings.com. We could have run that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fun while it lasted, but it didn't last. Normally, uh, Greg, before your podcast, preceding your podcast, I speak to a gentleman by the name of David Shapiro, who's a very, very keen football supporter. His team is Arsenal, so he must be sitting in the bush now because he's away at the moment thinking that was that was great, but I felt that I don't think you can't say it's an injustice, but I do think Manchester United, it pains me to say so that they were unlucky, but you can't forgive them for wearing black and white stripes as their yeah, kids. What was that? I, was, yeah, I thought watched, I was watching yeah. Newcastle. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. And I, I find myself sort of in the last 10 minutes of the game walking around the house with my fingers in my ears and my eyes closed. My, my wife will say, What on earth? And I just the, the amount of stress that you feel and oh, you just God. hear the crowd cheer and you have to run through to the lounge and see what's happened. But that was so unfortunate with, with United having that goal disallowed. Mm, um, that was close. Then, oh, that was so close. And then, yeah, it was heartbreak in the end. I'm sure David's um, dancing a little dance there in the bush, wherever he is. Mm. But, yeah, it was pretty painful as a United fan. It was very painful to watch and we've got a lot of work to do. Yes, indeed. Greg, 
Thank you so much for your time this evening, as always. Great fun. Next Monday, it'll be much, 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 much busier. And we'll go into all sorts of other things in depth. Greg Davies is the head of wealth at Kratos Capital, talking to us from the satellite office in Camps Bay. And that was the five o'clock shadow. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.